listening to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello and welcome to No More Mondays. As always, I am your host, Angie Callen. Do you lead a team of people, either for your own business or for a job? Does it stress you out? If so, rest assured, there is a solution, and that's where today's guest comes in. Antonio Garrido is an expert in leadership transformation. He knows exactly how to take your frazzled, overworked, stressed out self and help you become the effective leader we all know you want to be. Antonio has pioneered an amazing leadership development program called My Daily Leadership, and we're going to learn how it can help you maximize your potential, regardless of whether you're just trying to wrangle yourself or manage a team of hundreds. Let's learn his secrets. Antonio, welcome to No More Mondays. Hello. Hello, Angie. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast. Thank you for uh, for asking me to, to pop along. I, I appreciate this so much because... Uh, we were talking before we started recording. You're you're kind of like globe trotting and have all all kinds of irons and all kinds of fire. So I appreciate you taking the time to come here and and share your your wisdom with us. And I have a feeling, based on pre recorded conversation, that we're gonna have some laughs and get into some spirited discussions. So uh, <laughs> let's kind of let's kind of dive in. I I first became really passionate about leadership at a very young age. I was a teenager. I got picked to go to kind of this selective teen leadership development program. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious for for I'm curious to know a little bit about your program. Give us an a, like an overview of my daily leadership. Where'd the concept come from? What's your experience and the yeah. background that led to this? So yeah, walk us through it. So entirely more from or by look rather than judgment. Uh, I've been very fortunate to have uh, run some very, very large organizations. I'm ancient, by the way, so I've I've had quite a few (laughs) years of experience and I've run quite a few uh, very large kind of globally branded organizations. My first senior leadership role, uh, I, I confess I probably wasn't ready for it, but Politically, it made sense to give me the job versus somebody else. Anyway, so I find myself running um, a, an extremely large organization at a pretty tender age. Uh, when I say large, I mean with thousands of people and billions in revenue and global footprints. And um, on my first day or my first or my second day, the chairman of the group um, well, I came to work and there was a note on my desk, right? So that's how old I am, right? So not an, even an email, right? There was a handwritten note. Not a text. I know. No WhatsApp. <laughs> post it. Good old post it. Good old, I know, right? So I, I, when I was telling someone else that story once, I felt like saying I fell off my dinosaur three times on the way to work that morning. But anyway, so I found <laughs> there, was a, there was a note on my desk to go and see the chairman. So I thought, crikey. <laughs> The game's up already. It's like day two and they've already figured out that they're going to fire me. So um, I went along to see him and we sat down and he asked me, he said, hey, 
Have you ever worked for a dreadful leader, for a dreadful boss? Have you ever worked for somebody that was just quite dreadful in every particular regard? Are you thinking loaded question? Right. (laughs) I think, yeah, himself notwithstanding, I assume he meant. So (laughs) so I said, yeah, I did. I have worked for a dreadful individual. So, and I think probably all your listeners, (laughs) all your audience probably can. And yours truly. Right. You can kind of empathize with that, right? So I said, yeah, I, I have worked for a terrible boss. And he said, well, and he leaned across the desk. He grabbed a piece of paper and he slid the piece of paper across his voluminous desk. It was an enormous thing. Uh, and said, well, could you just write down what a terrible boss looks like? Sort of the characteristics of dreadful leader. So I can't actually at this very second, but I could go grab it, but remember what I said. So let's just imagine I said a micromanager, uh, inconsistent. Let's imagine I said, you know, perhaps a bully. (laughs) Um, Yeah, a list of kind of leadership dreadfulness. And I slid it back across the desk and he said, yeah, yeah, great. He said, okay, write some more. So he slid the list back. So I wrote some more things. What does a terrible boss look like? And this went on for about 10 or 15 minutes. And now I had a list of about 20 things that would define leadership horror, right? So he looked at the list and he said, yeah, that's exactly, that is exactly what a dreadful leader looks like. So I said, okay. And he said, will you do me a favor? I said, yes. He said, whilst ever you're running my company for me, will you promise never to do any of these things, this list? Right? Will you promise never to do any of those things? And I thought, holy moly, what a great lesson, right? I thought that was such a terrific lesson. Now, this individual, this indi- that kind of, that I, I think was actually the genesis, the turning point of my huge interest in leadership because up to that point, I just thought leaderships, you know, leaders, you either had it or you didn't. You were either lucky enough for the leadership gene to be stamped on your DNA or not, right? And that's kind of what I thought. So I I thought, yeah, that's okay. I'll do that. And he said, now keep this list with you at all times. He said, if I ever pass you in the corridor, I'm going to ask you about it. So I thought, okay, great. So that's my second lesson that to remain really mindful of this thing. I thought this chap's terrific. Now I worked for this chap for a while and he would, he was, he was sort of like a leadership Yoda, right? He was so wise, he was so gnomic and so wise and would constantly give me lessons. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Which is, I mean, so since we've already talked about you falling off your Triceratops a time or two, this is very ahead of of oh, kind absolutely. of corporate culture 20, 30 years ago. You know, I when I started my career, that autocratic micromanagement, I especially worked in a, in a technical field, which t- tends to kind of breed that type of mentality. But this guy was like way ahead of his time. Oh. The fact that you found a leadership Yoda <laughs> and, and it went pre, pre-text messages was, I mean... A really yeah. am, am, amazing and, f- and fortunate experience. Bonkers lucky. Bonkers lucky. And he would say things to me like, what did you learn yesterday, Antonio? And he would say, because the only advantage we have today over yesterday is what we've learned, because otherwise we're just a day closer to dead. I mean, he would. these are the things that he would say to me, right? 
And so it, he was very, very enlightened. He was the least command and control leader you can possibly ever imagine. He was all about kind of navigator, servant leadership. Well before that time, consensus. He was, he was a consensus lunatic, right? And, and I just enjoyed working for that chap enormously. But anyway, that began my leadership, uh, my interest in leadership. Here's the, here's, here's the other thing to say before we move on to another enlightened leader that I worked for. About six months later, there had been uh, an employee engagement survey that would run right across the business. So we kind of dropped thermometers across the whole of the organization to see how see how we were doing as a leadership team. And, you know, it was good in part. And this report came out and it was like the cracky. It was it was just, it was like the New York Yellow Pages. Right. It was enormous. This thing. There you go. See, I'm dating myself again. So uh, even the executive summary would have broken your foot if it fell on it. But anyway, so we had this executive summary and uh, he came out and said, so has anybody read the report? We only got it that morning, right? And we were at a board meeting. And uh, I said, uh, well, I've read some of the summary, but I haven't read it all. So he said, well, everyone's going to read it all. So yeah, okay. So he said, now there are some things in here that don't make particularly good reading. There are some things that do, but there are some things that don't. He said, do me a favor. And there must have been 13 or 14 people around that boardroom table, right? So there was me and maybe 12 or 13 others across all of the disciplines, all of the functions, all of the divisions and departments. He said, do me all a favor, everybody, get your lists out. And the list that he created with me on my first day, he did exactly that same exercise with all of the other leaders. And, and, and they all had a list. They were all slightly different lists, but they all had a list that we were working towards. And he says, okay. He says, let's talk about trust. Who's got trust on their list? And people like very sheepishly putting their hands up and shuffling their feet. The point being that everybody has their own vision of what dreadful looks like. And if you pay a little bit of attention to it, everyone can have their own vision of what terrific looks like, right? So that's kind of where my huge interest in learning everything that I could uh, about lead. I was originally an architect when I first came out of university, and then I did a second degree in strategic business management. But now I just wanted to learn everything I could about leadership. And, and you're right. Thirty years ago, well, some years ago, let's not focus on the number because it just makes you feel in even, the in the analog right. days. Fun fact, by the way, I was a I came out of college as a civil engineer, and I actually oh. looked at architecture, but found out you had to take art classes and draw, and I was like, oh heck no. That was my so favorite. my my early days in experiencing corporate America were were in you know that kind of environment. But I want to I want to kind of just stop and highlight something you brought up that I think is an important thing for people to know. Everybody's definition of good and bad is is different. Yeah. And one of the things that I often tell people is that like you 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 need to kind of identify what works and what doesn't work for you so that you can ensure you can align with those kind of values and cultures because. One person might be able to take a micromanagerial boss if that boss also somehow cares about their, you know, professional growth potential in the company versus yeah. somebody else who is like, holy cow, I need all the autonomy in the world or I might die, which is me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. But here's the, here's, the, here's the issue, though, or here's the trick with it. That, so I, I was I gave a talk just before COVID. Do you remember that little thing that bothered that bothersome? Oh, yeah. We all just dealt with. Otherwise known as that time warp of the last three years. Yeah, right. I gave a talk. Um, so you're right. First of all, in terms of you know what does good look bad, it, it, it's often good to say what does good look like, what does bad look like to help kind of 
start to point you in the right direction. I think if you then overlay that something about you know core values and that's also very very important. Here's a here's a third piece of it. Also, however, the um, you know, you can ask people what a success look like. And for me, in the success model that we built for, for the book and for the business and the assessments that we do and so on, is that, you know, there are, if you ask people what a success means, people say it's the achievement of goals. And some people says it's, you know, it's, it's helping other people. And but there are lots of definitions for success too. Um, some people say whoever dies with the most toys wins, right? But but the the, the real... The real vision of success for me and for us and for our business and for this business at any rate is maximizing potential. So um, there are some people whose potential is down here. I know this is a visual thing and so low down. Um, if, if their potential is down here and they're more or less at their potential, then that's success. And there are other people whose potential is way up here, reaching high in the air. And if they're miles from that, then they're unhappy. I can't tell you the number of leaders I know billionaires, right, with a B, who are incredibly unhappy because they feel that where they're at is not is nowhere near where their potential might be. And they're they're terribly upset. And then you find some other people who, by any sort of uh, other external measure, you would most people would look at them and think, well haven't they done you know, they haven't, you know, they haven't got they're not driving the Bentley. They don't have the house in Aspen or <laughs> or Colorado, uh, the ski lodge, they don't have a, you know, but they're incredibly self, you know, they're incredibly fulfilled, self-actuated and happy individuals. So who's more successful? That's, that's an interesting conversation. We talk, we talk a lot about potential around here. I'm so, uh, that's my, my, my whole purpose in life is to help people reach their potential. That's my thing. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, but it's we had a guest. We had a guest uh, a few episodes ago named Ashish, who has his whole initiative is this is this thing called the Happiness Squad, and he said mm-hmm. something that I feel is the perfect little like wrap it up in a bow nugget of what you just said, and that's that success doesn't lead to happiness. Happiness leads to success. And if you're never fulfilled inside, no amount of toys, by the way, Jim, I think that we can say we won the world because we are going to die with the most toys based on the amount of outdoor gear that we own. However, but I think there really is something to say that like you have to find that contentment with who you are before you can ever be successful, which I think is also a self-leadership component that ties into this whole conversation. Yes, because emotional intelligence and uh, self-awareness and stuff are critical. So there's still these two components. I am running up to it, I promise. So uh, I was doing a, a talk to uh, if I had to guess, maybe four or 500 leaders just before COVID hit. It, I remember it because I did the talk and then two days later, two or three days later, it was the Super Bowl final where I caught COVID, but anyway, in Miami. But anyway, so there were, I, so I asked for, let's say there were four or 500 leaders in the room. I said, okay, uh, okay, chaps, here's a self-awareness question for everybody. Hands up here. Who thinks that they don't have any leadership blind spots? And, and thankfully, nobody put their hands up. In other words, everybody recognized that they Ooh. must have some blind spots, right? So nobody put their hands up. So that's terrific. I said, great. So everybody knows they have some blind spots. Terrific. Now, if you could just write them down for me, right? And then suddenly, nobody knew what to write because 
to be able to write it down, they would they would have to be aware of them, but because they're not aware of them, because they're a blind spot, it's slightly silly. They knew they had. I feel like this goes into the kind of what is it the AA saying the first step to like figure figuring out the solution is admitting you have a problem. At least they admitted they had a problem. They just had no clue what it was. No, you're exactly <laughs> right. So you have this list now of what dreadful looks like and what terrific looks like. For example, right? You also have this principle of. Um, uh, potential either you know leaders are responsible for the you know maximizing their own potential their people's potential and their business's potential but now and you have this piece about um you know core values and servant lead, servant leadership and so on but but here's the problem we all have some blind spots so it's easy to fool ourselves where you say yeah oh yeah so a dreadful leader would, for example, let's say, be uh, inconsistent, blow hot and blow cold one day, oh, one day down, right? So that inconsistency piece, which is a terrible, you know, trait for leaders to have and somebody saying, yeah, that'd be terrible. But that's not me. When actually everyone around them says, you know, the problem with Bill, he's just so inconsistent, right? But they, they don't see it in themselves. So that's, that's the issue. So, so then I worked for another leader who asked me on my, on my first date, this individual, he, uh, he said, hey, welcome aboard. I'm so glad you took the role. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, uh, do you journal? And I said, no, I, I don't journal. And he said, oh, why not? And I said, well, probably because I'm not a 16-year-old Victorian schoolgirl. <laughs> Right. <laughs> hey, we all had that little puffy pink journal with the heart-shaped lock on it, okay? <laughs> so, so he just looked at me very very stony-faced and I thought, okay, well that's that wasn't the right that wasn't the right answer. So, I said, what, like, dear diary, Mr. Darcy was mean to me today in church? And he said, no, journal. I said, well, no, I, I, I know I, I've heard of journaling, obviously, and I know it's a thing, but no. So he said, okay, well, find the eight, I don't know where eight came from, find the eight most successful people you can think of in any field, right? Not just in business, it could be in athletics, it could be in you know, musician, anybody, right? And and the eight most successful ones that you can find and, and ask them if they journal. So I said, okay, well, okay, then I will. And by the time I had asked the sixth person <laughs> and who had all said yes, I thought, crikey, so maybe there's something in this too. So I went back to him and I said, okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to start, but what do I write? And how much do I write? And what do I write about? And so I, I suddenly, because I'm quite practical, you know, I, I needed a template or some kind of framework. I couldn't just, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, right? So when I started to put all of these things together and, you know, continue to learn everything that I could about leadership and, and all of that stuff, um, what I then did, um, I spoke to a, an organization who who do just, the best leadership benchmarking and assessment in, in the world, probably an organization called People Best. And I sent them the manuscript of the book and I said, look, we have a model for leadership that we think is rather 
rather splendid. What do you what do you chaps think? And they were so impressed that they said, "We'll we'll get our psychologist and we'll we'll develop it for you." So they developed the the model that we use in the book and in the business. And so so we now have what we think is the gold standard in terms of leadership benchmarking and assessment, and which talks all about emotional intelligence. Talks all about well, lots and lots and lots of things. Now, so okay, so. What's that got to do with the weather and the price of fish? So if we then think, okay, so we have a model, we know what terrific looks like, we know what EQ looks like and how important that is, we know what consensus looks like, we know what developing ourselves and our people, we know what all of these components look like, how do we bring them all together? Okay, so back to your very original question. You said, tell me what this, what the program looks like. I'm so glad you took us this direction, though, because it is a way better, more logical buildup. So thanks for hijacking me. If I had just said what I'm about to say, you'd have yeah. like, yeah, OK, interesting. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but so, so I mean, it's still going to be cool. But now it's like, you know, it's better. The backstory is often, <laughs> you know, what's the genesis of the thing? So what we did was we recognized that. The good, I mean, there are, we taught, we, we, we've already covered that there are good leaders and there are not so good leaders, right? And there are people that, that really want to be terrific leaders and there are, there are those that are happy enough, you know, where they are. Oftentimes our clients say, hey, listen, can you find us a new leader, right? Can you find, can you go and use your assessment and, and your network and all of that kind of stuff when you find us a new leader? And then we'll, we'll talk to a leader and we'll say, oh, tell us a little bit about your experience. And they say, oh, well, I've been leading companies for 20 years. And when we dig into it, what we actually find is that they, that they kind of grew and developed for two years and then did rinse and repeat for the following 10, right? And one of the things that we talk about a lot in the book is that wisdom comes from evaluated experience. It doesn't come just as a consequence of time served. So you'll have some some individuals who've been leaders for 20 years and they think that you know that they are they are all that all that leadership is around but they're not right but then you have some fairly new and emergent leaders who are very very much more capable and competent than these people that have been doing for 40 years who who actually don't they just think that they think as i said earlier that it's stamped on their dna they've been they've got that gift and they're just that's what they do and unfortunately, the world doesn't work that way anymore. And what's interesting, we, we, we interviewed for one of the chapters of the book, uh, three or 400 leaders, and these were good ones, <laughs> right? So we found some good ones, not just kind of the average run of the mill. And this doesn't mean that they're, you know, the CEOs of large, hugely complex, multi-site, multi-location, multi-country, you know, enterprises. They are uh, you know, uh, the senior partner in a law firm of two, right? It's almost more the quality of their leadership than exactly. the quantity of their leadership. Right. Yeah. So when we talk to the good ones and we say, tell me about how you develop your people, the good ones have lots of processes about that. And they have, you know, there's annual development reports and there are uh, assessments and there's training schedules and all of that kind of stuff for all of their people. We say, okay, terrific. Now, now show me yours. And you would be staggered. Honestly, Angie, you would be heartbroken when you went. Are they like leaving it totally up to chance? Totally, totally. Yeah. And, and they say this, they say, well, you know, I read, I read the Wall Street, I read The Economist, I read, the, and, and you go, 
Okay, well, tell me about the last article you read. Well, it was something to do with AI, okay, specifically what, and they get very woolly and nebulous. And, and, but the great ones, the great ones say, here are the five things I'm working on. Here are the five things that our board is working on. Here are the five things that, right, they're the great ones. Now, those guys, they, those guys have cracked it, right? But for most of us, are we going to be intentional about the kind of leader that we need to be? Are we going to try and future-proof ourselves, our people, and our business? Because that's a leader's job. A leader's job is to guarantee the future success of the business, the growth of the business, and blah, 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 into the future, not just for today. So, so we built the model. We then developed um, the, the principle that you have to <laughs> – I went to the dentist once and the dentist said to me, you know, you really, you ought to consider flossing. <laughs> so I said, what, really? What, like all of my teeth? He said, no, no, just the ones you want to keep, right? So the point about, the point about why do we brush our teeth every day? We brush our teeth every day because we give it a little bit of attention every morning and a little bit of attention every evening, right? We don't just wait till Sunday and brush our teeth for two hours like a demented lunatic because your gums will bleed and, and it's very uncomfortable. But so here's the thing about leadership where it's just, it needs to be a daily activity. I put all the things together or we put all the things together and we have a two year program that every day for two years, and that means every day that includes Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, and so we do coaching and all the usual stuff that you would imagine we do benchmarking and all and retreats and we do accountability everything that you could imagine what you know leadership development might be but we also have this unique program of two years where every day we with a pen right <laughs> a, a fountain pen even this is not do. a voice memo journaling kind of exercise no because in the book we talk a lot about there's a lot of research why when you write with your you know, longhand and people say, you know, there are apps and go, yeah, we've got the most terrific app, right? You but can there's a physical, like it's, it's scientifically proven that you're, there is a, a different uh, reaction and, and, and wiring that happens when you physically write something in your brain. hundred percent. So every morning we give our leaders something to think about, call it morning momentum. And every evening we do this evaluation where wisdom comes from evaluated experience for two years, where where every 90 days, a whole new pack lands on their mat and they have to dive in. And then there's there's lots of stuff in the app and all of that kind of stuff. So when we develop, we as we take them through this, this program uh, over two years, what, we do, what we're doing very intentionally is developing these competencies of people development, company development, self-development, strategy development, and leadership development. So that's, that, that answers your question, perhaps. Love it. Well, and it's, it's a lot like it's preventative maintenance. That's yeah. why you brush your teeth. It's like going to the gym, right? If you, if you lift weights for a month, it's going to hurt a whole hell of a lot if you don't, if you go back three months later and haven't done anything. And that's where I think this is like building really strong leadership habits. And you, you brought up, okay, now we're going to dig into some like questions and okay. practical things because I had, I had, a, I had a list of like, I want to talk to Antonio about these 12 things. We're totally not going to hit all 12 because we hit other better ones, okay. but you actually alluded to several of them, which mm -hmm. is perfect. So I want to kind of circle back to two things you said earlier. And that is, um, you had mentioned, I would say, let's say this myth that leadership is a natural, natural skill that we're either born into and we have it versus learned. And 
I think that some people have probably more natural leadership capabilities than others, but I would, I just would love your perspective and almost a little bit of advice there for people that may not have as many of the natural leadership skills. Like you can still, you can still overcome this. So like, I would love your thoughts around that. So, yeah, I think, did you say you were studying as a civil or structural engineer? Okay. So are structural engineers born or are they made? Exactly. They're made. Okay. They are. So a surgeon, so a pilot, so a forklift truck drivers, right? We're not born with these skills. We may have certain proclivities toward, you know, hand-eye coordination. You might be like good at math and science. Exactly. And and you know what? I do actually believe that that's true. My brother is tremendous in, in terms of mathematics, stuff that... Yeah. I, you know, I've got to take my socks off if I count over 10, right? And he just gets stuff like instantly, right? But then and I have a son who is just gifted at... Um, but that also still music. doesn't mean that you, if you're born with good math, I'm a, I'm a math teacher's kid. So yeah. it still doesn't mean that you're born knowing the square root of negative one. Right? Exactly. And, and so let's talk about Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi is the best. You know, when you say to people, who's the best footballer in the world? They say Leonardo. Well, some lunatics say Cristiano Ronaldo, but let's just pretend for a second it's Leonardo. soccer. Everyone, American audience, he's okay. talking about soccer. Ted Lasso. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So, okay, Rory McIlroy, best golfer in the world, right? So Rory McIlroy, okay, who happens to be British, but we'll slide past that. But anyway, Rory McIlroy, best <laughs> best golfer in the world. What does he do every day? Every day. And he's the best in the world, right? And of all the 8 billion people on the planet, he's the guy that could say, I've got this figured, right? But every day, he is out in the driving range every single day. Does that mean including his birthday and Thanksgiving? Yeah, it does, right? Every day. And he's the best in the world. Now, is there a parallel to be drawn here that if you're very intentional about wanting to get better at something, if you just decide you're going to get, so you might be born with a natural proclivity towards music, but if you don't practice your scales and sit in front of the piano and actually do the thing, then you're not going to get better. You'll get to a level. I used to play snooker with my cousin, like all the time when we were at university, like nearly every evening we would play snooker against each other. Right. And, Guess what? We got to a level where one day I'd beat him, one day he'd beat me, and one day I'd beat him, and one, and we never got any better. We just both stayed at that level, even though we were practicing. But what we weren't doing was stretching and growing and being intentional about what's next. Where do I close the gap next? Where do I close the gap next? Now, the thing about leadership is it's so huge, which is why we try to codify it to these 25 really core elements so that we can say, Let's do an assessment. Let's see where your gaps are. And then let's very intentionally work to close those gaps, whether it's in strategic planning or execution or masterful mentorship, whatever it is. So back to your point. Well, I'll give you another quick example before we <laughs> go. So everybody's been on an airplane. How would you feel if you knew that the pilot of the plane, well, all right, not even how would you feel? Let's imagine you're a pilot for for American Airlines. And I remember when I was getting my pilot's license, so I, I learned how to, how to fly. And every year, you have to go into a flight simulator to practice and improve and get better every year. Imagine what 
American Airlines would say to the pilot when he says, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to bother going to my, my flight simulator. I already know so, how to fly. Yeah, I've been doing yeah. this for 20 years. I think I'm going to skip it. You're, I'm going to pass. You're right. You're, let's not bother. What do you think American Airlines would say to the pilot that didn't go to the flight simulator and try and get better and improve and practice? And they would say, see ya. Right. And and also, what do you think they practice when they get into the flight simulator? Because they don't practice. All right, pilot. <laughs> All right, captain. We're at JFK and I uh, go to go go and land in London Heathrow. And they don't just take off and nine hours later land the plane in the flight simulator and sit there twiddling their thumbs for nine hours. What do you imagine they do in the flight simulator? Yeah, they're preparing imagine? for scenarios that they may not come across every day. Right. They don't sit there for nine hours. They say, okay, well, when we turn it on, right, when we, when we say go, you're at 30,000 feet, visibility is this, this is this, this is this. And they don't say, and in five minutes, engine number four is going to fail. They don't say any of that. They just give them issues and problems and challenges. And that's how you get better, right? And that's, that's what Rory McElroy works with every day, every day with his coach, every day. Well, your journal is your coach. If we know where the gaps are, and then we say, here are the things that you need to get better at, which they don't know because of the blind spots. So this is what we do every day to close the gaps every single day, every day, every morning and every evening, just like brushing your teeth. It's not a heavy lift, but it's a very regular lift. I think it was Aristotle that said that excellence isn't an event, it's a habit, right? So it's it, we just need habits of excellence. That's really what the program is about in a nutshell, I suppose. All right. You you brought up the perfect next thing I want to talk about. However, I need to make uh, two quick points. I love the air, I love the uh, airline pilot example because, but in living in proximity to Aspen, we fly in and out of an airport that does not have radar landing. So <laughs> you better <laughs> hope that guy's been in the simulator because he's <laughs> he's literally landing the plane on a really short runway, and it's probably uh, it's probably it's probably yeah. snowing. So no yeah. in instrument landing, not radar landing. Yeah. So that's one. Second thing is while just just to close the sports loop and make just a little interesting tidbit, it yeah. did take Messi his entire career to win a World Cup. So just li just sit with oh, that for a yeah. second. For sure, okay, for sure. But you, but he also won the Ballon d'Or fifteen times along the way, and he won. He won. Yeah, there's <laughs> also that one. So, but the big thing I want to circ I want to go back to that you brought up was the blind spot thing. And so we, I think that we've, we've really solidified and encouraged people out there to have discipline and intentionality around building that leadership muscle over your whole career. Yeah. I'm curious from a, from like a self identification perspective, how can we reflect and identify our own, uh, our own, you know, blind spots. So, you know, the, the 400 leaders that were in the room who knew they had blind spots, but couldn't identify them. Uh, you know, how can we start to look at ourselves and identify our own list? So that's incredibly difficult thing to do. <laughs> uh, yes, no. it is. That's why I have a job. <laughs> Indeed, Angie. And like, if we, if that were obvious or even kind of, we could figure out how to make it apparent, uh, then, then, you know, the, the world will be full of world-class leaders. But of course we know that that's not the case. That's how we started our well, conversation. I think that's a good point to say that like a lot of times you need external help here. So don't feel bad if you can't 
find your blind spots. For sure. But here's the thing. So, and, and, and the issue is at its heart, uh, you, you have to accept that, that, that the issue is only people who, who intentionally attempt to improve their self-awareness. People with incredibly high self-awareness are much more able to, you know, do a little bit of navel gazing and recognize where their gaps are. But what percentage of the world? Um, the navel gaze. I'm stealing it, Antonio. I am totally stealing it. That's <laughs> such a term I would use. <laughs> but then how many people how many people do have that incredibly self, inc- incredibly well-developed sense of self-awareness? And it's very rare. It's quite, and, and I tell you what makes it even more difficult, Angie, and this is super interesting. Um, I, another boss, I, do we have time for another two super Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So another boss of mine, he kept, he, every five, well, not every five minutes, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but he kept promoting me. He, and he was keep promoting me and promoting me. And one day he promoted me to European uh, divisional manager. I'd just done some work on the British Pavilion and the Seville Expo. And I said, hey, Alan, hey, listen, uh, thank you. Yes, of course, I'll look after Europe for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the business. But why do you keep promoting me? And he was one of those leaders, another very enlightened leader, who would very deeply think about a question, consider his answer, then answer it and then consider what he'd actually said and then kind of like say, yes, that's what I meant to say, right? So, so if you're like you and me, Angie, who like we, try, we like to move at a million miles an hour, it drives me crazy talking to him. That being said, you know, he was incredibly wise. So I did, you know, I did kind of sit on my hands and make myself listen to him. Anyway, so I asked him why he kept promoting me and he said, that's a really good question. Now, you don't know the individuals, but I'm going to, you can imagine the individuals as I tell you this story. He leaned across his desk and he got a piece of paper out of his printer. And he said, imagine if I'd said to Jim, hey, Jim, and this is the MD or CEO of a very large uh, organization. He said, if I'd have said to Jim, hey, Jim, this is black, piece of white paper, you know, from a printer. He said, hey, Jim, this is black. And then Alan said to me, Jim would say, whatever you say, Alan, black it is. If you say it's black, then it's black. Right. And I go, yeah, Tim would say that. And then he said, if I said to Tim, hey, Tim, this is black. Tim would say, well, now, Alan, let's talk about it for a little while, because I'd like to understand your motive for why you think it might be black, because I think it might be white. So should we discuss that for a while? I said, yeah, that's what Tim would say. And he said, and if I said to you, hey, Antonio, this is black, you'd say, sod off, Alan, it's, it's white. Right. And I said, OK, so what does that mean? He said, well, the problem is. Nobody tells the leader the truth, right? And I said, oh. And he said, what is the leader's number one most important asset? And I said, cash, money. But I don't mean personal money. I mean, you know, in terms of cash for the business and so on. People, effort, energy. He said, no, it's truth. That's the thing that's in the shortest supply because people tell you what they think it's in their best interest to have you believe. And I saw an interview once with George Bush Sr. He, 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 he was no longer the president. And I know you chaps, when somebody stops being the president, you still call them Mr. President. I, I get that. But so he'd been in a, he, he'd left the White House. Unfortunately, in certain circumstances, but that's a different podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. But anyway, so he'd left the White House 
and he'd just been in a pro-am golf tournament and he was just walking off the 18th green green, and somebody pushed a camera in front of his face and this reporter said, hey, Mr. President, how was the golf? And he thought for a second and he said, it's amazing how many games of golf he's lost since leaving the White House. Think about that for a second. It's amazing how many games of golf he's lost since leaving the White House, right? So whilst ever he was the president, everybody was everybody like, Everybody let oh, him win? But of course, he's the president. Yeah. Very, hand, very, you know, polite golf. They wouldn't tell him the paper was white. Correct. Correct. So here's the other thing. You were talking about how do we know what our blind spots are? Well, here's the thing. No one's going to tell you, right? The, no one's going to tell you. So unless you have this very high level of self-awareness, and our program develops that. The only other way is listen to your friends and loved ones. They'll tell you what some of them are, right? Uh, You won't believe them, especially if you've got low self-awareness, but then the only other way then is to to get assessed for self-awareness, self-regulation, all of those kind of things. Where'd you do that? When you go to mydailyleadership.com. Perfect, because I was going to ask for the shameless plug, so tell everybody where to find it. Yeah, so, I mean, the book is obviously uh, terrific, and the author is terribly windswept and interesting, but if you don't want to bother with with the book, you can certainly go to the website, www.mydailyleadership.com. There's lots of free resources there. There's white papers and stuff, but... There's an assessment. Um, If you're sufficiently interested in trying to close some of your gaps, um, uh, raise your self-awareness, figure out how well you do deal with conflict resolution, how good you are at collaboration, how good you are at living your values and all of those good kind of sexy leadership stuff, then then, uh, then get your credit card out and get assessed. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Can I put you on the spot? This is something nah. I've never done on this podcast. I would love to, I would love to give away a couple copies of the book. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So everybody out there, uh, if you are driving, pull over. <laughs> if you're not driving, please write down hello at careerbenders.com. Send us an email with the subject, my daily leadership and your address. And Antonio and I will get you a copy of his book because I I've been a big fan and I, I love that there's recurring messages we've even talked about here because there are the, the letters that presidents write to each other during the succession are reflected yeah. in the book. Yeah, um, yeah. And and ju- and the intentional that intentionality piece is kind yeah. of throughout. So I would I would love to get this into all of your hands. So if you want it. Uh, drop an email to hello at careerbenders.com with my daily leadership in the subject and we'll get you set up. I'll go, I'll go beyond that. The first 10, I will personally sign as well and give them a message. (gasps) Look at that. We love it. I'm excited to kind of check out the program, to be honest. And, um, I, this, I, I could just, this is, I could chat about this for the next five hours, but in the, in the interest of time, and leaving everybody a little bit of mystery in order to go tap into all of your resources. Nice. I kind of want to do, I want to do two more things before we yeah. wrap up. Okay. I want to go into that, that idea of intentionality has come up so frequently in this conversation. And I love it because it's very integral to our concept of, you know, and our idea of having no more Mondays and that, that idea of that intentional week. Yeah. So uh, talk to me a little bit about that idea of an intentional week that can kind of help perpetuate this idea of consistency and and good habits to build your leadership muscle. Well, I think so. Great question. This this 
comes back a little bit, I think, to, you know, are you on rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat? And, and is it is it kind of Groundhog Day, right? Is every day Groundhog Day? And come back also to that point about what, what did you learn yesterday? Because otherwise you're just a day closer to dead, which is quite grim and dreadful, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't coin that phrase. I think that um, if if you are serious, right, about being the best that you can be, helping your people be the best that they can be so that they can help your business be the best that it can be and, and future-proof and skate to where the puck is going to be and all of those all of those kind of things that we've talked about, then I, I, I don't think you can be serious and not intentional. I think they are absolutely hand-in-hand, hand, right? If you are serious about your development and you are serious about helping your people develop, you have to be intentional about it. So we can, you know, my coach, because so we coach people, of course, but my coach, my coach is um, a, a fourth-generation submarine commander, and you don't give submarine commands to just anybody, right? And he says, and I love this, and we talk about this in the book as well, he says that there are really kind of three or four or five people in the world, types of people. And everything that you do when you talk to Brad, because he's a submarine com commander, they're all to do with the water and Navy and ships and fish, right? And so he just can't help himself. It's the only language, you know, like love language. Well, all of his leadership language has got fish in it or seawater or something. I already love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brad is terrific. And he would say things like, you know, a calm sea's never made a great sailor. And just like these little throwaway things, like when, when the world was dreadful and everything was difficult, he would say, this is terrific because this is how we learn to get better. Anyway, he said that there are a bunch of different kinds of people in the world. He said there are those that let's just call them drifters. And they're in the water and they just, wherever the tide takes them, Wherever the weather takes them, they just kind of drift around. They just drift. And there are people that are drifters. And he said, do you think that they make the best leaders? I said, no. And he said, then there are paddlers, right, who will just go into the water up to the knees, don't take any risks, don't, you know, don't go outside their comfort zone. We talk a lot about comfort zones in the book, about how growth happens outside your comfort zone. So there are paddlers who get a little bit wet, but don't really commit and really throw themselves in. Are they being intentional great leaders? Yeah, probably no. Then there are surfers who are just going from one big high to the next big high, and they're just constantly looking for the next big rush, and they don't care what anybody else is doing, but they're just kind of like looking for the next big thrill. Do you think they're good intentional leaders? Yeah, no. Uh, and then there are safe harborers that never get out the harbor, you know, and uh, he said, um, you can't get from one country to the, you can't, uh, something like you have to lose sight of the shore to get to the next horizon or something. They yeah, are very, very, all very good stuff. And, <clears throat> and he said, but then there are navigators and the navigators, they have a goal, they have a vision. They're very clear about it. Everybody knows what they're trying to achieve. Whatever happens with the weather, with the traffic, with the tides, with the currents, they might have to course correct like every pilot does, right? Like every golf player does, like every football player does. But they know where they're going and they're very intentional about every day pointing everybody, all of the resources uh, in the right direction. And, and so which of those leaders, and we'll talk to leaders all the time, say, okay, so who are you? And they said, well, you know, I, I'm a bit of a surfer. I said, okay. So 
if we're going to become a navigator, is that going to happen by magic, by accident? Are we just going to absorb it by osmosis? Are we just going to wish it and sit there and just manifest it and just aggressively wait to get better at something? Or are we going to do something about it, right? So that's, I think, for, for me, for intentionality is where are you now? Where do you want to get to? And what are the obstacles in the way? And that's what I mean by intentionality. I love it. That's a perfect way to kind of bring this whole conversation to, I think, a really good set of, of thinking points for everybody out there. So if it doesn't feel right or you or you've gotten complacent, comfortable, huge fan of the no growth happens within the comfort zone concept. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is that's a great it's a great thing to think about. Where are you? Where do you want to be? And then what tools, resources or help do you need to get there? Because that's the, the other thing that I think Antonio and I really agree on is you don't have to do this alone. And many times you can't do this alone. And if you try to do it alone, you're probably going to end up more frustrated and on a never ending hamster wheel. 100%. And luckily, he's got amazing resources to help you do just this. So uh, head over to nomoremondays.info. All the show notes and the links to everything that Antonio and I have talked about are there. Also, don't forget, hello at careerbenders.com, subject my daily leadership. First 10 people who email us are going to get a co signed copy of this book, which I'm a big fan of and I and I really recommend you reading. So, Antonio, help us take it home. We're going to get one more piece of advice, maybe one more good story. What is like your best piece of kind of, let's say, inspiration or your number one gold nugget on what everybody out there can do to have a more intentional life uh and and maybe less mondays so <laughs> good uh i'll tell you what here's what we'll do for everybody the it, when you go to the website there is a free download of 30 days there's a free download of 30 days of journaling prompts just kind of paddle for a little we just said like we don't want people there you go but just paddle you know for a little bit some people do have to kick the tires some people are listening now and i go this is me i'm in right but some people have to kick the tires and so on uh, listen i you don't have to follow our program 100 you don't i think our program is pretty fab and groovy but you don't have to follow our program but i, I would wish if i had a a Harry Potter magic wand, and I do have the right accent for it, and you don't. And I could wish something for all leaders. It would be <laughs> they start to journal. Because here's the thing. Journaling evolves. It does evolve, and it gets its own momentum, and mm -hmm. gets its own life and stuff. And I have people that take photos of their journal. Uh, we, we, we coach, you know, some pretty successful leaders. And if they don't send us a photo of their journal, we won't coach them. All right. So that's how intentional we have to be. So last point I was talking to. So I want everybody that's listening to make a decision, to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to try and not try, but you're actually going to do something different. If you always, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. Right. So we're going to do something, something different. There was a, there was a, a, a client of mine and uh, he said, that he was going to do something. I can't quite remember what the thing was, but anyway, he was going to do something. And week after week, he hadn't done this thing. Why? Probably, actually, because it was too far outside of his comfort zone, and he would always look for excuses, and there would always be reasons why not. Anyway, after about a couple of months, I said, hey, look, 
for the sake of this conversation, let's call him Bob. He wasn't called Bob, but you get the idea. Hey, look, Bob, I get the idea that you're actually not committed to this. You say you are, but it kind of looks a bit fiddly and you don't know whether you want to do it. So it sounds like you're not going to do it. Oh, no, I am going to do it, says Bob. I don't think you are, says I. Uh, no, I am. I, my word is my bond. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. But here's the point I'm going to make to you, by the way, for if you want. I'll give you the golden nugget up front and then we'll come back to it. That there is nothing as overrated in this world as planning and underrated as doing, right? So uh, we could all know. I could ask 100 people, how would I lose 10 pounds? And, and 100 people are going to give me a, a plan to lose 10 pounds. And it'd be terrific. How many people? You know, you go on the January the 1st, you go to the gym, and it's full of people. And you go by March the 3rd, it's empty, right? Because these false dawns, these false promises and stuff. Anyway, so I said to Bob, Bob, you're not going to do it. He said, I am going to do it. I said, well, okay. You got your checkbook there? So he said, yeah. I said, get your checkbook out. This guy was a big shot, big deal guy. I said, get your checkbook out and write me a check. I think I said for $20,000. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I said, why? He said, I said, just do it. Write a check for $20,000 uh, made payable to a charity that you don't support. And I said, and if you don't do this thing, I expect you're going to cash this check, right? Because some people need that extrinsic motivation. I said, you're going to cash this check if you don't do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. Well, okay, well, we'll see. So anyway, he wrote the check. He, he took a photo of it. It became his screenshot on his phone, on his laptop. He took a photo. He put it on his mirror where he's brushing his teeth. And he was like, if I don't do this thing, I'm going to have to pay this bloody check for Antonio. And, and, and he made himself do it. Anyway, a couple of months later, he sent me an email. He said, I just wanted to let you know you were right. I did this thing. It was terrific. Great things happened. And I paid the check in anyway. Right. So what's the, what's the story? Everybody won. Everybody won. Here's the point that if you are going to do this thing, you're going to be very intentional about making a change. Don't, you know, just take imperfect action. Just start, just start, right? Start writing, start journaling, just start, course correct on the way, tell everyone you're going to do it, make sure that they hold you accountable, maybe write a check to a charity you don't support. There's lots of them. And um, just let this be the thing that doesn't have a false dawn. Just make sure. I, if I could swear, and I won't, I'm, I'm really good at swearing because I'm British. And if I don't swear, if I don't swear, Mr. Biden takes five times a day, Mr. Biden takes my visa away and I have to leave the States. But so, so just, just do it. Just do it. It's Nike slogan for a reason. Also, there were like 12 amazing nuggets there. And how many times have you heard us say here and people, their, their pearl of wisdom is, Imperfect action is better than no action. Oh. Just do the thing. In this case, I absolutely love the recommendation to start journaling, regardless of where in your leadership journey you are, whether you aspire to it, whether you're in the thick of it. And if you need like I also have the same issue of I'm not a very good open ended like, hey, just sit down and write things. I'll write two things about what I ate that day. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I love the prompts that are available because it'll get you kind of out of your comfort zone. A little bit. And again, those are those are going to be linked in show notes so you can grab those. But Antonio, this has been amazing. You have one great stories two say crikey and chat more than anybody that's ever been on No More Mondays and are just, you know, a fun guy to talk to. So I appreciate you being here. Listen, happy back and I'll be delighted to come back one day soon.
any time. This has been another amazing episode of No More Mondays. I hope all of you out there listening agree and will head on over to wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a five-star rating and follow us because it is an excellent way to help us keep bringing you these great stories, inspiration, and recommendations on how to move yourself forward, reach your potential, and all the other good things that we do around here. If you want to leave us comments, feedback, drop a guest suggestion, or grab all the resources available from today's show, visit us on nomoremondays.info. Don't forget to email us to get a free copy of Antonio's book. And until next week, I hope you have a great Monday. I'll see you for the next episode of No More Mondays podcast. Ta-ta. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.